sitting tight and hoping that Buenos Aires is still standing in two weeks' time, welcome to Hunt. for this episode and if you can hear any sniggering in the background it's because this is being recorded at the end of the episode having completely forgotten about it at the start uh, is paid for as ever by the Argentina Independent they're a wonderful source of English language news current affairs entertainment and other stuff from Argentina and across Latin America and you can read them completely free of charge at argentinaindependent.com so thank you to them for providing the alcohol it's Hand a Pod episode 182 Two. Two, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to it. My name is Sam Kelly, and I'm joined this evening by a very special panel of people. First of all, Andres Bruckner. Hi, go. Welcome back, Andres. Um, and two people, well, one debutant and one person who's been away for such a long time it feels like he's a debutant. Welcome back, first of all, to Joel Richards. Thanks, I'm coming back in, back from retirement. It's always an honour, Joel. <laughs> you only ever see two super classical episodes now. Yeah, that's right. It's the only thing I know anything about. Yeah. Um, and the, the debutante for this week, we've had a couple already recently, uh, is, I've forgotten your surname already. It's C-O-T-I-N-O, Cotino. Julian Cotino. Yeah, that's right. Julian, uh, introduce yourself to the listeners first of all. What do you uh, do? Where are you from? I'm a journalist. I'm from here, Argentina. I was born in Don Torcuato. I currently live in Palermo. I work in, at Taste Sports. Uh, I'm a Boca fan. First and foremost, are um, you are you friends with Riquelme? Uh, no, but I'm friends with many friends of Riquelme and I'm friends with many family members of Riquelme, mm. and so and everybody knows everybody. So yes, yeah. a small talk. We would expect to hand a pod exclusive on something about Juan Ramón <laughs> Riquelme later on. There, um, sure, but, but he won't pass the telephone numbers of the relatives, so no, that's okay. <laughs> no, no, we don't. None no. of that on air. Leave, leave that until the the off the record bit afterwards starts. Um, First of all, before we get into the, the obvious bit that's looming over all of the rest of Argentine football like a bad smell this week, uh, we're going to very briefly just rehash what's happened since we last recorded and also start off with a couple of things that might have happened just before we last recorded because there were matches played on the same day that we didn't mention last time around. Uh, obviously there's not been any league action but there have been a few Copa Argentina games and those were Sarmiento de Junín went out of the Copa Argentina to Deportivo Merlo in a match that was played before we recorded last week, but I don't think we mentioned. Yes. We did mention Vélez Southfield beating La Emilia 3-0. Very impressive win for Vélez. Um, Argentinos Juniors beat San Martín de Tucumán last Thursday 3-0. Tigre have put Gimnasia Rive de Jujuy out uh, 1-0. And Independiente had probably the most eye-catching game uh, of the 32ths of finals so far in the Copa uh, Argentina. A 1-1 draw with the deeply, highly prestigious, um, deeply prestigious, I think would be the more apt term, opponents of Alianza de Coronel Moldes. Uh, Independiente got an equaliser with about two or three minutes to go and then won the penalty shootout. So, well done, Independiente. Playing it a lo grande there. Um, did anybody catch it? Was it even televised? Was it on Deport yeah, TV? Yeah, it was. Deport uh, TV or, or TC? No, or? actually, there weren't any matches, so I thought it was... Uh, 
public TV was. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, because no, there weren't any matches attention. on, so... I there's always football. It was a good game. It was quite embarrassing. I was chatting with a friend and said, I'm laughing at Independiente right now, and mm. I turned on I suspect that P Peter pulled out of this podcast at the last minute and it wouldn't surprise me entirely if he's done that because he realised that we were going to be uh, talking about this first of all. Um, but yeah, Alianza de Coronel Moldes are in Primera. Uh, sorry, the Federal B, I think, yeah, which is yeah. the fourth, fourth, fourth division. Fourth. Yeah. But it's, uh, Hang on, Primera, B Nacional, B. Oh, that's right, yeah, B Nacional, Federal But Yeah, so it's the fourth, fourth tier. It's like Primera C. Yeah. It never stops getting confusing uh, the the split in the Argentine pyramid um, the next Copa Argentina games are oh there's one this evening I just, I just want to say something about this because the great thing about this game was that the Copa Argentina is so young that everyone kind of thinks oh it's a bit rubbish and you know all the games are played in San Juan and no one really cares that much and it's oh it's a bit but these are the kind of games that the Copa needs start building up it's like it's mystica and it's you know giant killing and this spirit and, and this tradition of, of a cup which you know the FA Cup has and which all the other cup competitions the Copa del Rey in Spain doesn't quite have it because it has home and away legs but this this kind of match is the one that starts building this competition I think it's, it's, I, uh, it's good it's I good. can't remember whether you were on a couple of years ago when the Copa Argentina was first happening Charlotte we were discussing the possibility of a final between two of the smaller sides or one grande and one of the smaller teams when we were about the quarter-final, semi-final stage. And we were saying that although that's true to an extent, in a way it's so young that you almost don't want that to happen in the Copa just yet with a side like Independiente or certainly with River or Boca because it will kill the interest in that year's competition. But uh, I think the Copa is a great idea but it's like in the continent the FA Cup has that the big club plays at the little club's home, yeah. home, home court, yeah. uh, home field. For example, uh, Vélez and La Emilia, they played at Banfield, and there were like 2,000 people there. La Emilia is a town that probably has 5,000 people, and if they played at La Emilia, everything, everyone in town would have gone to the game yeah. to watch La Emilia yeah. Vélez. It would have been quite the show. Then, then again, they played uh, Wednesday at 3 p.m. At, at Banfield, and there were... And the classic example being a couple of years ago when River got drawn against Defensores de Belgrano, two teams 400 metres apart and they went to play in San Juan or Chaco or somewhere, meaning yeah, that obviously always... there are no Defensores fans there at all. Well, the thing that keep the, that's keeping the Copa alive is the, is the money that the gobernaciones of the either provinces are putting to host the matches. For yeah. example, San Juan, Cordoba, mm. they're paying to have the clubs play at their at their stadiums which don't have teams really mm. nobody wants to play at there yeah there's, there's a lot to improve but you know these kind of results at least start building slowly this I kind like of the going, very much yeah I think I think it's, it's, a, a, it's a great idea yeah. but as you it's said I mean, it has to run by a travel agency basically well so yeah, by, yeah, by of course, yeah it, it, it needs a lot of work but again it, you know it's fairly basic you know home or away just one tie so no Copa del Rey you know home and away and yeah play out of the draw either home ground or, or the other teams rather than these neutral grounds but, but anyway I'm just, the thing was it was just exciting to see this giant killing kind of in process mm. and even though it didn't quite happen in the end but as I said, it's just yeah, part it's of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And there are a couple of matches taking place in the Copa Argentina as we record. One of them kicked off ten minutes ago, apparently, according to the, the schedule anyway. Uh, and it was Quilmes against Sportivo Belgrano. And the other is Arsenal de Sarandí against Guarani Antonio Franco, which kicks off at nine o'clock, which is in 40 minutes' time. Uh, if we go on for long enough, and indeed if we remember at the end of the podcast, we will tell you what happened. But more likely, we won't do. Um, and you'll hear next week or look up on Twitter or something. Um... Gimnasia La Plata versus Altos Hornos Sapla is another match that's wow. been programmed. That's 6th of May, which is next Wednesday. Oh, next Wednesday, yeah. Al- uh, high uh, high also, Ovens. How do you get a name like High <laughs> Ovens Sapla? Uh, it's a company. They used to burn, um, yeah. they made uh, ceramics, I think. Uh-huh. That's what the ovens come oh, okay. from. Yeah, yeah. So it's like Loma Negra, which is uh, another company that had a team and eventually disappeared. That's the thing. There was a trend on Twitter about a year or so ago of, uh, I think it was started by the guys at Enola Valdosa, who had a hashtag called Ascenso in English, with all of the names of oh, yeah. the teams in all the lower divisions translated into English, word for word. That might be the, was very the start of NFL Parados, might have started that day. I think yeah, they were major contributors, well, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> the other thing that we said that we were going to talk about in some depth last week was the... Copa Libertadores, um, looking back on the whole of the group stage, we didn't really talk about it much last week because we were still waiting for the last couple of matches to be played involving Argentine sides. Um, but now we know the full uh, final standings of all of the groups and all of the, the knockout rounds. So we'll go through those. Um, from Group 1, no Argentine sides involved, but Santa Fe and Atletico, de, uh, Atletico Mineiro, of course, won it two years ago, um, are the two qualifiers from there. Corinthians and San Paulo edged out San Lorenzo in Group 2. Uh, San Paulo got a, was it 2-0? Yeah, 2-0 yes. win over a 10-man Corinthians? Was yes, it yes, Emerson. Two red cards. Yes, Emerson. Shake was, was it sent off yeah. in the first half. But there were two, there was a red card each side in the second half as well, wasn't there? Was it 10 against 9? Yes, I think yeah. it was 10 against 9 men. Yeah. And the second half. Which anyway means the Corinthians yes. finished first, uh, San Paulo finished second, and would have done even if San Lorenzo had beaten Danubio. But as it happens, San Lorenzo did not beat Danubio. Uh, they lost one 0 to a late goal. But when they they they, having, they they knew that uh, San Paulo had scored two goals, and that mm. was like, uh, yeah, I mean they weren't. Yeah, Corinthians was totally. down to ten men already. Uh, Ortiz said, I think yesterday that they didn't want to come out to play the second half. They knew Corinthians. I'm not surprised. San Paulo was winning. Corinthians had ten men. There's no way they were. Obviously, the, the most realistic hope for them was going to be that Corinthians went out and thought, right, this is a derby, we're going to try and win, even though we've already won the group. But they, and obviously, Corinthians aren't going to be overly. Caruso asked himself to Emerson, please win Sao Paulo so that we can advance to, to round of 16. It wasn't possible. This is, I think, probably the biggest story in, in the Copa Libertadores group stage. I think, uh, probably overall, not, not just. Uh, for the Argentine sides, because of course San Lorenzo were the holders. Yeah. Um, they were very poor, really throughout 2014 domestically, visibly giving it everything in the Copa during the first half of the year, and then once they won the Copa, which they did of course a couple of days before the beginning of, of their domestic season, because they had the first match of the Torneo de Transición um, postponed, they were equally poor during the Torneo de Transición, because they were saving everything and holding it all back for the Club World Cup. Um, and they never really as a result, I think they kind of lost the momentum in, in some ways of, of, of the Libertadores win last year. They never really looked like the defending champions. During did the did they look? Stage. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I just wonder how much they actually look like champions as well. 
I mean, how good were, how convincing were San Lorenzo? I mean, they got, they, they qualified from the group stage through the back door. You're saying during last year's Libertadores? Yeah, 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 yeah. On the way to, I mean, obviously they won, that's a great achievement and everything, but, you know, I, they weren't, they didn't steamroller the, the Libertadores and they weren't really convincing leader that the best, the best side Libertadores, in the Unlike this year's Libertadores, was speci especially thin, as in the Brazilian teams that qualified weren't the best Brazilian teams that mm. qualified. The Argentinian teams that qualified weren't the best Argentinian teams that qualified, and that showed on the, in the knockout stages. San Lorenzo advanced as the 16th or the 15th, and Nacional yeah. as the 16th, and they both yeah, went the to the final. Yeah, the final was 15th against 16th, wasn't yeah. I think San Lorenzo was second worst mm. of the, the group runners up. Um, but yeah, I mean, San Lorenzo t finished off the group stage with three goals scored. Three goals. Okay, only Dreadful. four conceded in six matches, which isn't bad, but three goals for lowest scorers in their group. Um, and I think Corinthians are two scored. players who both scored more goals. Scored in two matches because yeah. they they scored two against Danubio in Uruguay and then one against San Paulo here. So mm. four games with no goals. Oh, yeah, they right, played yeah. too cautiously, yeah. in my regards. They should have taken more chances, especially against Sao Paulo, that's side that didn't offer anything. They won, they lost the, the match at Brazil 1-0 to, to a side that didn't build anything. Mm. It is a shame that Mariano continually uh, is unable to make these Wednesday evening recordings because, uh, as I keep saying, I'd really like to ask him, without taking the piss too much, but of course there would have been a bit of that as well, uh, how, uh, whether he feels that, that, that Bowser should remain in the job, whether he feels that Bowser's time is up. I mean, there were a few San Lorenzo fans, even after one or two matches of the, of the group stage, saying, you know, thanks for last year's Copper, but, you know, we're champions, let's start playing like the champions now, even though that's not actually what got them the Copper in the first place last year. Um, but, okay, group three. Uh, so the other Argentine side uh, who were eliminated, Cruzeiro, topped the group, Universitario de Sucre, Sugar University, um, finished second. In fact, they've already played their knockout round um, first leg because they lost 2-1 at home to Tigres of Mexico, who of course were the winners in River Plate's group last night. Um, Huracan finished third, Mineros finished fourth. Huracan finished third, it has to be said, with an absolutely pathetic performance yeah. in that last Huracan match. lost the, Three the pass to the knockout Mineros. stage against Mineros, who only scored against Huracan in the whole group stage. Mm. They scored twice against Huracan in the first match, Went five match without scoring and scored three against Huracan again, and they lost like the the pass against against the Venezuelan side. That's pretty lousy. That's why when when Huracan uh, was great result for them, uh, uh, got a draw against uh, Cruzeiro in the Mineirao. Huracan uh, supporters were we we achieved a, a draw in the Mina, in Mineirao where Brazil has, uh, conceded seven goals against Germany. Okay, it's good for you, but you are celebrating a draw. Well, this is the result. Yeah. But they, 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 got a they beat Cruzeiro at home. They beat Cruzeiro yeah. at home, they drew oh, against yeah. Cruzeiro yeah. on, in Brazil, and they lost against Mineiros. Both times they lost five points against Mineiros that they should have taken. And the draws were ultimately what cost them. They finished off with four draws. Yeah. The win against Cruzeiro was the only win, and the mm. defeat against Mineiros in the last match was the only defeat. But, I mean... You can't, as an Argentine club particularly, you, you, going into a match against a Venezuelan team in the final round and thinking, OK, we need this to go through. If it had been a couple of years ago when Caracas were having a fantastic campaign or a couple of the other sides, you think, OK, but Venezuelan sides have, have kind of stagnated a little bit in the Libertadores for me this year. And it's 
not great. There were rumors swirling around that Huracan uh, players went out the night before the game against Mineros in Venezuela, and uh, that <laughs> caused quite a stir on the Huracan supporters. How, uh, can, how can they do that before that match, and then turn around the page for, and, and play like they did in River? for the Supercopa Argentina. Which we will get onto in a few yes, minutes. Okay. Um, but Group 4 of the Libertadores Internacional and M Internacional of Brazil, Emelec of Ecuador, uh, first and second with the strongest Universidad de Chile of Bolivia and Chile going out. Fairly obvious that Universidad de Chile from Chile, of course. Uh, group 5 was, of course, won by Boca Juniors with a perfect record, as we discussed last week. Wanderers uh, of Montevideo went in second. Palestino and Zamora both finished uh, out of the qualification places. Zamora didn't manage a single point. 21 goals conceded as well. Bloody hell. Well, five against Boca as a local, yeah. as a home condition. That's frightening. Uh, group six, obviously, we did talk about last week or possibly the week before. I can't remember exactly when it ended, but that was Tigres uh, winning it and River Plate scraping in in second place uh, with Juan Elrich and San Jose finishing out of the spots. Atletico Nacional won group seven ahead of Estudiantes. Libertad and Barcelona de Guayaquil are out. And Racing won Group 8 with Guarani finishing second, Sporting Cristal and Tachira went out. What that means is that in terms of our beginning of the group stage predictions for who would go through and who would go out, we got all of them correct except uh, that we called Huracan going through, partly because of the fact they have Mineros in the group and we thought that would be two easy wins. And they would have done if they got the result they should have done against Mineros. Um, so that was the only one we got wrong. We might also have been slightly too enthusiastic about River's chances of um, maybe getting maximum points in that group. Uh, which did not everybody was. I mean, nobody ever thought River had a bad group. After the the draw came out, everyone said, oh, okay, you no, have no. kind of travel, but... Uh, All of the worry was about the travelling time and obviously the first match at altitude, which is always a little bit of a wild card. Yeah. But after that, River basically didn't have a very tricky group, but they made a bit of a pig's ear of it. And as a result... We're going to be previewing three Super Classicos in a few minutes' time. But Tigres uh, demonstrated yesterday that they were the strongest yeah. team in the in the group. And Peter, of course, who, who is also a, in, in his spare time is a Mexican football expert as well as an Argentine football, and having lived in Mexico before, told us at the beginning of the year, don't expect very much from the Mexican side. He was rather taken aback himself by how good <laughs> Tigres Damian Alvarez was brilliant. He's coming back to the the times when he, he made his debut in River, I think, his, because... Yeah, his, his goal last night was... Yes, brilliant. Uh, he, uh, uh, even though that the defender was awful, he he, he slipped when he was... Uh, he, he didn't even uh, dribble him. He was like, well, thank you. Mm. And and then the the, the, the finish was, was, yes, beautiful. Um, so, yeah, and Andres has already mentioned the other match that we had to round up which was the, the Supercopa Argentina um, why it wasn't played as a season curtain raiser I don't know just not how the Afro like to do things I suppose um, I nobody knows no, no yeah scheduling problems Huracan had to play the playoff against uh, oh, of course for the Libertadores Alianza Lima to play in the Libertadores and River had to play the South American Super Cup against San Lorenzo. Oh, yeah, which was also then the tournament and then the Cup and Football Argentina. But anyway, so as a result, we had uh, a break for whatever reason it was a break for last week because we explained this sort of for the city government elections, but we couldn't really 
you know, whatever. Um, and they decided to play it then. They also completed Arsenal Sarandi uh, versus Aldo Sibi, which we're not going to talk too much about. It was already 1-0 to Aldo Sibi when it kicked off. There was an hour to go, and Aldo Sibi won run out to 3-0 winners. Uh, so Arsenal is still shit. And Martin Palermo... Had, had Martin Palermo been sacked already before that match? Yeah, I think yeah, he'd so gone. That was the first so they completed the game with a new manager. That's great. Who's, who's taken over? Uh, Nobody knows. In a, in, on an interim is it, basis. Is it, is it, are they not... No, I don't know. I don't think they've named a replacement. They, yeah. No, they got an interim. Think of the uh, telephone guy surname Gutierrez or Fernandez. Uh. <laughs> Roberto Gonzalez ah, was Gonzalez. in, in yeah. interim charge for the last hour of the Alba City okay. match. Um, but the Super Copa, which Huracan won one nil with, as Andres said, a pretty good performance. They must have had their fans wondering why they couldn't do that in Libertadores. Um, what did you make of it? Did anybody watch it? Because I didn't. I went out. I watched a bit. I did. Uh, yeah, River didn't play particularly well. No. Huracan didn't also, but managed to. But Huracan are really, uh, they're really route one. Just big, big hoof up the pitch. Well, they've got one chop up. Get one yeah. chop on the, on the end of it. It's a bit... Huracan are a team who historically have tried to produce, you know, nice football, passing football, and, and yeah. these guys are like Wimbledon from the old days. I mean, they, it was a weird feeling for the Rakan fans, I think, because they were just eliminated from the cup, and they, mm. I, basically Apuso's future depended on whether or not he won against River. In fact, there's a couple of photos where you can see the cup, the Rakan players holding the cup, and behind them there's a, a banner hung by the Rakan inches that said, uh, we, nosotros alentamos, pero ustedes nos fallaron, like, uh, yeah, yeah. you, you let us down. We yeah. supported, but you let us down, so... Yeah, yeah. Basically, they were celebrating while uh, they, at the same time they were. But Apuzzo crying means that he was with the rope in his yeah, yeah. yeah. There is there's a big problem with the Huracan Barra Brava as well, isn't there? So that, those kind of when you get the big flags and the banners saying things, you kind of wonder, yeah. you know, who's you know what, what's the reason behind this? I mean, they're never really authentic, but they. Yeah. If you if you go to San Juan from from Buenos Aires midweek and take a big banner. <laughs> you, have to, you have to ask the question. Yeah, but someone someone sent them there and someone allowed yeah, them yeah, to yeah. put the banner and so Apuso was probably yeah, yeah. not fully backed by that. Both teams were pretty much full strength, right? Mm, yeah. I mean, I saw the river line up afterwards. Well, I can go Espinosa back, who yes. is a great player and yeah, yeah, was, couldn't play in the whole Copa Libertadores, but he was back and probably was the best player in the he, field. He passed Funismori in the goal when that finished with the goal from Puch, the Czech Chilean Midfielder Edson Puch. The rapper Edson Puch. Yes. And he was tremendous the way he he went back because he was injured. Uh, yeah, was he, injured. he was injured for two or three weeks, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was like he were on vacation, he came to the match because he, he passed Funes Mori when they, in that play they played that finished with the goal so easily. Funes Mori has been playing uh, all the matches, all of the matches, not brilliantly, but he has been playing. With Espinosa having haven't been playing because of the injury, mm. it was it was like oh come on, uh, he was one of the of the, the men of the match really, apart from Marcos Diaz of course. Another question that I was asked on Twitter, uh, not for the podcast, but I'm going to raise it here anyway, is and I guess particularly to to both Andres and Julian being Argentine and having grown up here, which obviously is not an experience that Joel and I have had. But how important 
is the Supercoppa for you? And in a way, this is an experience John and I have had because it's only come about in the last couple of years, so we were here already. But, you know, we grew up with the Charity Shield, which really doesn't matter at all. Um, John's a, a nominal Chelsea fan, not a Man United fan. I don't think either of us could tell you how many times. Well, the first time you met me, you said you weren't entirely... I, I, I don't like what happened. Chelsea I don't, yeah, complete Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea I don't like Abramovich and what happened to the club, but that's a separate issue. But yeah, no, the, the so, charity, the charity Shield so is. So Chelsea is, Chelsea fan, I'm a Man United fan. Not, I doubt uh, either of us could tell you off the top of our head how many times our club has won the Charity Shield. How important is the Super Copa Argentina? It's not important unless you lose it. For, for Boca and River, it's not important unless they lose it. For, if River had won, ah, okay, River won. No big deal. Yeah. River lost. Oh, they lost to Huracan. For Huracan, it's another title, an official title, and they'll probably stitch a new star on their crest. We have a new title, which is what Huracan usually does. And this is the thing. It's an official title, whereas, say, the uh, ridiculous bloody one that River played against and beat Sevilla in a few weeks ago is not, not. They're talking about making well, it official for next year. In Argentina, there's always the thing that nobody really knew what was official and what wasn't mm, official yeah. up until... A year, a year and a half ago, when someone said, "Okay, let's take time and see what's let's official, what's San not Lorenzo official." Lorenzo an extra championship in 1936, and then let's yeah. take one of them away from River and give River. River has one. seen, but in a way that means that River try and claim and, both and, of them anyway. Still, and, and supporters like to say, "Well, we won it, and you you didn't, because Boca for, Boca won the Supercopa Argentina, isn't it?" No, no, lost to Arsenal. Ah, okay, Supercopa Argentina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, because when that happens, also happens that when the team wins a trophy, it's one match, but if it, you win a trophy, then you say the other team or supporters, hey, we won that cup and you didn't. I think all is so new that no one really knows if they matter or if yeah. they don't matter. The for instance, Vélez played the Newells as the two champions of yeah, the that, season. That was, the first that was an official title because it was the first. And but then, then the, the next year they said, no, it's not official anymore. Yeah. So San Lorenzo played River. River won, <laughs> and that's not official. But Vélez won the same thing last year and was official. Yeah, but it was last year. I think we talked to So maybe next year won the official. <laughs> I, I can't remember whether it was the week that Esteban Beckerman came on uh, just before the World Cup semi final. Um, or whether I, it was a separate conversation that I had with him not on the podcast. But he points out there have been three seasons in Argentine football history with that effectively two short championships followed by a final at the end of the year. Or four seasons now, sorry, but at the time it it, had been three. Um, And they'd all been played with different rules because there's 36 when at the time River won one of the championships, San Lorenzo won the other, and then River won the Copa Campeonato to unify the two. And as a result, River for like nearly 80 years were the only champions from Argentina for 1936 which then got changed after the Vélez Newells thing in 2013 wasn't it two years ago yeah, yeah. Um, and then you had the the, the, the 1990-91 yeah Boca Newells when Boca well, Newells which was the first short championship season but then there was a final at the end to decide the championship at which Newells beat Boca and that was separate rules then to, to have River Sunrise well, and, and then you had the Vélez thing where both of them have one championship yeah. and a short championship and then Vélez got another one for winning one match which is and Boca insane. count the 1991 Boca count that as a championship yeah. but then they said it wasn't official you on, the, on, the, on the club no but on the club website they, it's, it's, it's still yeah, it's still there. 91 yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it should Apertura 90 should be a, a, a new title yeah, I don't know if you should have another one for beating Boca in the final no, maybe so. that's the ridiculous thing the thing is obviously you can you, 
you should count the championships according to the rules that they played at the time, however ridiculous those rules are. But the fact then that they can say, right, so we're now going to... And the way that they did it in 36, with, with the revision for the 36 championship, which was not even to make it completely clear that this meant River had exactly the same number of titles that they had before. So River weren't, oh, in that case, we're having another one. No, that's not what we just said. You can't have another one. <laughs> it's... Well, we're trying to make logic out of something that the world clearly has not been logic yeah, and won't yeah. have. Everything in Argentina put has an asterisk. And yeah. whether it, yeah. why, uh, just in case we can we change our mind further but, and we want to revise. River's um, game against Sevilla will be classed as official. Well, precisely, we're, yeah, we're they're, they're planning on making it we're an official championship yeah, for next year. And in that well. case, River are going to be allowed to retroactively yeah. give themselves another start. The fact that the case. River match against Sevilla is not official and the Suruga Bank Cup is official is... Uh, <laughs> That's travesty. Sudamak allows five substitutions in the match. And really? Yeah, really. And it's an official title. Five? Five. Wow. Just because the South American team has to travel half the but world to play. European South American Cup or this... Is, the problem is that the, it was organized and, uh, and the sponsor was... DirecTV is... That's perhaps the main purpose or the main reason why it's not uh, official because it's they paid for for the for the match, invented the uh, and, and and invited the both teams. So it's not the same as it, well. It is stated beforehand that the winners of the Europa League and the winners of the South Americana will play for a a, a, a title that uh, well, uh, it, it wasn't the case. No, and the other thing with the Argentine Supercopa to take it back to where we began this discussion is that the prizes aren't equal either. Uh, because one of the rewards for winning the Argentine Supercopa is you get a place in the Copa Sudamericana. So congratulations to Huracan, but of course that wasn't actually on the table for River, because River were in it anyway, um, having won the Sudamericana last year. So, again... In the, if, the, if River had won the Copa Supercopa Argentina, the, the teaming to access to the Copa Sudamericana would have been Vélez. Not, of course, not, not River. River yeah. was already qualified. That's another strange thing. And we can expect much more of this confusion for next year's Continental Cups. Because not only have we got all this, but we've also got these bloody playoffs for the last month and a half of the season at the end of 2015, oh. which nobody even knows how they're going to work oh. yet. Um, and which are going to mean that everybody down to 18 yeah, has a Continental Football. Nobody knows if we actually will have yeah. the playoffs. I mean, I, I kind of hope we don't, but at the same time, if, this, if, the, if the normal season is ending in mid-November, what are they going to do between mid-November and mid-February? That's a hell of a long weight even given the heat of the Argentine summer um, anyway ladies and gents we know that if you're a new listener you're absolutely chunking at the bit um, you might very well have, have tuned in to this episode purely to hear what our expert minds uh, think of the Copa Libertadores last 16 ties and one of those ties in particular and also of this weekend's uh, matches and one of those matches in particular so now I'm going to play some music and we will be back in a couple of minutes well, in about 20 seconds in your case, but a couple of minutes for us because we're going to refill our glasses as well, um, to discuss Super Clásico and the other 14, 15, 20-ish matches that are happening with Argentine sites in the next week as well that you don't care about. So don't go anywhere.
Right, one thing we deliberately didn't mention um, during the first half, I'm going to say deliberately, actually, I just forgot, but you know, it works nicely anyway, is um, what the draws are. Having told you who won and finished second in all of the Libertadores groups, I didn't tell you what the last 16 ties are. São Paulo are going to play Cruzeiro, all Brazilian clash, very interesting. Guarani of Paraguay play Corinthians of Brazil. Racing have um, a last 16 tie against Montevideo Wanderers, the side who finished second in Boca's group, of course. Uh, Tigres versus Universitario, as we've already said, finished 2-1 in the first leg uh, to Tigres, an away win, and will be completed next week. The reason that one's being played a week earlier than everything else is because of the Mexican Championship playoffs, which Tigres are also in. Um, Emelec of Ecuador play Atletico Nacional of Colombia. Atletico Mineiro of Brazil play Internacional of Brazil. Estudiantes de la Plata play Santa Fe of Colombia. And of course, the reason that you're tuning into this is that in Xavi A, or tie number letter A, uh, River Plate play Boca Juniors. So here we are. This is our Super Classical preview. They first play each other on Sunday, and that's not part of the Copa Libertadores, it's part of the Argentine Championship, in which I think that some of the lustre um, that has been returning really to the Super Classical for the last couple of years is definitely very much back now because both teams come into this level on points, identical record in terms of win loss draw, uh, seven wins and three defeats each from the. Sorry, seven wins and three draws each and no defeats. Um, from the opening 10 matches River Plate have got the best attack in the country Boca Juniors have got the best goal difference in the country they've both got 24 points it's going to be fun right this, this match can't possibly live up to the expectations it can only be disappointing wouldn't you the say Super Classico never lives up to the expectations it's the Super Classico way uh, is it also something about the Argentine way that it's built up so enormously that it just can't possibly whereas in England we'd say well this is going to be shit because we're all expecting it to be brilliant but you kind of enjoy the build-up kind of more than the match some many times, and there's so much buzz around, so much hype that it's impossible to you know, enjoy the build-up. But well, many people won't enjoy it, but it's kind of fun. So is a series of three and eleven days more enjoyable because there's more build-up, or is it more disappointing because there are more matches to let us down? Yeah, it it will be difficult for the the team that will that. Perhaps it finishes in a draw, but if the Boca River wins on Sunday, the torneo Julio Humberto Grandona match, it will be difficult to celebrate because you have four days after mm. another game and then another one. So so it, I think it will be the 14th of, the, of May, the, the day that will pack all, all of the of I the think results. the Sunday's match is the one everyone will give up, give up yes. for a win in the other two. So... Nobody will cel really celebrate what happens on Sunday because you've got so, Thursday's match the coming key, up. The key question then is looking back to the last time that these two sides met in continental competition, which was way back last November uh, when they met in the semi-final of the Copa Sudamericana, of course, where the weekend before the, I think it was the first leg, River played Racing in the penultimate round so it must have been the second leg no, River played Racing between the two between the two legs yeah. Yeah. in the penultimate round in a match that effectively ended up deciding the league championship and looked like yeah. it was going to decide the league championship then and River put a reserve team out that's how important the Continental Super Classico mm -hmm. were River aren't going to put a reserve team out on Sunday are they? The, the River, so the neutral I'm sure it would be quite funny but it's not actually going to happen I saw today the, the River Plate journalists are saying 
But Gonzalo has been working with a, a slightly a few second string players like maybe Drew, Sebastian Driussi may start. But I mean, you know, having the three together, it, I mean, it just these games are epic. But when it's just one, it kind of when it when the games itself when the game in itself is is pretty poor, it just dies away very soon. Everyone's like, oh, that was really bad. That was rubbish. Oh, oh, dreadful, dreadful. Whereas having three together means that obviously you know it'll just be forgotten immediately because you know if, if there's a result if River win or if Boca win, then immediately. You have the narrative. If there's a draw, then you know that stays that stays there. It just I mean, there's great continuity. It's gonna be it's gonna be really good fun. I mean, I think when there's just one, there's such a build up, and then when the game's rubbish, you're like, oh, that was rubbish. Whereas because there's more to come, this this is gonna be quite uh, quite sustained. But as you said, I think um, it, it seems River are gonna play a slightly more a changed team with not as many uh, first team players for the league. But again, that's a gamble because we saw last time around it, it backfired. I think the theory goes that uh, whoever wins the first match, the Campeonato match on Sunday, will have a like a psychological advantage over the other. And I don't think that's the case. Probably Ruarena won't play at full strength. Probably River won't do the same. One and point that's been made in those terms is that Boca obviously strengthened very well over the summer, as everybody said at the time. And Boca maybe have a little bit more of an ability to, I mean, just to play two completely different yeah. 11s between the matches and for both of them to be pretty strong 11s. Whereas River have a very good starting 11, an alright bench, but if they have to play two totally separate 11s, it's may drop a favourites. And so River are going to need to uh, decide what they need to do a bit more, maybe. There is, the great thing about these games, though, is there is so much history because the clubs, because both Boca and River tend to stick with coaches that, well, I mean, at the moment you've got Gajardo and Adrovena who both played there's all that backstory to when they were players as well. So there are so many stories, and that's all kind of part of the build-up. If you look at the, Man- the Manchester derby, you have Van Gaal and Pellegrini. You know, it's a big game for them. The Manchester derby, fine, but you know, as players, they had nothing to do with it. Completely mm. different culture. So you know, that, that's where I think where the part of the build-up here is so is so great is that especially Gashadlu, who was sent off in 2004 for scra- for scratching the players as well, obviously. In England, a lot of the players haven't grown up being yeah. avid fans of the club that they're playing for. They've not even grown up on the same continent or in the same hemisphere yeah. as that club. And it's not to say that once they arrive there, they don't want to do just as good a job. It's not to say some of them don't end up falling in love with the club that they end up. But it just doesn't mean the same to them as where here you could very easily have 11 boyhood River fans playing against 11 boyhood Boca well, fans. I had the chance to speak to someone who's daily treating both players and the people and the managers side at Boca. And he said that he was surprised by how much, for instance, Osvaldo was a Boca fan. Mm. That he thought he was a pure, I don't know, for the cameras and all that. But no, he's really a, really a Boca fan. And that he was extremely nervous because playing River, playing River in the Libertadores Cup, he had to work with him especially. He, he, was, he was extremely nervous when he was received in, in Seiza saying that he never lived like something like that because... Even having played in Juventus, Inter, uh, England, like well, Southampton is not a big, very big club, but I don't think they had to play Portsmouth while he was there. But, uh, but yes. so carry on, Andres. I wasn't I didn't mean to. Uh, no, no, it's it's uh, incredible how playing for the team you were a supporter from when you were a child brings things like that. Being nervous because there are a lot of journalists. Oh, here, here it comes here is Osvaldo. Finally, he's here because. Uh, I think it has its flip side also. For instance, Van Gaal and Pellegrini. Uh, they never grew up with the Manchester Derby uh, whole 
baggage behind them. The players also. So when they get the chance to play, maybe you get better games because of the quality of the players, but mm. because they don't feel that pressure that, well, if I miss here, it's a lay down yeah. for me, my family, my family's friends and the families of the, my family's friends and forever and ever I, and ever. Yeah, it's, and more, it's more technical. I, I remember it's this what game, you got to win, you need three for points. Instance, uh, yeah, yeah. Has an own goal against Manchester United. In five years, he'll be here and who I, cares? I, I, I remember the, the Boca commentator, uh, Ricardo Mosho, I think his name, uh, uh, commentating the penalty that Giliotti failed against Barovero for the Copa Sudamericana, saying, here it comes, Giliotti, here it comes, here it comes, he will shoot the penalty. And when he failed it, it was almost firing, firing uh, uh, Gigliotti. He w he like ejected Boca out of uh, Gigliotti out of Boca because of the of that penalty. Which well, there you have it. Was missed, Gigliotti uh, missed a penalty and he's in uh, China now. This is a commentary yeah, yeah, yeah. from one of Took the three months since he missed a penalty right, and in China. Mm. So you miss a penalty in a super classic. And that's in China. About that Gigliotti also scored the winner against River in the Monumental a year before missing yeah, that penalty. A year before. Gave Boca so much money. Yeah, that was so long ago, though, Sam. It just doesn't count anymore. <laughs> that that doesn't <laughs> happen in England. That uh, a commentator yeah, saying yeah, yeah, he yeah, does, but not he, quite. No, the same I think around the world, reputations are made or broken in classicals. So whether yeah. it's Manchester, whether it's Arsenal and Tottenham or Chelsea or whatever, or whether it's Madrid, Barca, whatever, that's fine. But here there is an intensity to it that, and every single player who's who's left from who's played in the River of Boca for, for either side and has gone to play in in Italy, or in Spain, or in England, everyone always says, "Listen, the quality is better, but in terms of just how the intensity of the match, nothing compares to it." Because everyone's seen it. I mean, mm. there's no one in the street who's not aware of Boca playing River mm. and River playing Boca and that they meet in the Copa Libertadores and what the stakes are, everyone, even not a, uh, not a football fans, everyone knows, yeah. everyone talks about it, everyone, it's... And especially everyone. because there are three in, in 11 days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we've, we've discussed previously on, on this podcast, we've been going for, uh, I don't think Julian's listened before, so I'll, I'll tell Julian because I'm sure the listeners are aware, we've been going for about four and a half years now. I had snippets, I didn't listen to a whole one, but... Okay, I'm honoured. Thank you. That's great. Thank you for making the effort, at least, and uh, or at least for pretending, even if it was. <laughs> but uh, no, in, in that time, obviously, we previewed a fair few super classicals, and one of the things that we used to say in in the days before the Copa Argentina became a thing is that really this is the closest thing that Argentina had to an FA Cup final, in yeah. term or an old-fashioned FA Cup final in terms of the week beforehand after the league ta the league finishes. Nobody talks about anything else. Then you've got the whole day of coverage and everything before, and now. Argentina actually has its own FA Cup final, and yet the Super Classico is still the closest thing <laughs> to the FA Cup final. I mean, we've had discussions today all afternoon on the television, on Twitter, on the radio. Who's going to be refereeing Sunday's match? Who's going to be refereeing next Thursday's match for the first leg? It's just been announced, and well, Sunday's was was it, uh, announced yesterday, in fact. Sorry, but you know, all of this build-up is about the referee, which I know that John, I think you're going to talk about I, after I, the break. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. but I mean, it's. It, it's that crazy. I mean, nobody else, you know, any other match, even even the Clásico de Avellaneda or the Clásico de Rosario, nobody cares to quite that extent, at least in the national media, obviously, in Rosario or in Avellaneda, they very much do. But why is it that the Super Clásico has, has that transcendental quality? Let, let's be a bit poetic about this. It's the I think... No, 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 take it. No, it's it's the country, isn't it? I mean, it's it's just Spain has this to an extent where 
you can you can be outside Madrid or Barcelona. You can have your local team, but really you also support either Madrid or Barcelona. And, and in Argentina, everyone wherever you go, someone supports Real. I think that's sports. that's the key. Even if you're a Racing fan, an Independiente fan, who do you fancy more, Boca River? If you had to take one, there's always the the duality, yeah. and it kind of says something about you whether you're a Boca fan or a River fan. Or who do you fancy less? I remember when I was here yeah. in 2007, during yes. the summer, yeah. January 2007. Argentinians don't ask who you like, like who yeah. you hate. Because <laughs> <You hate> <laughs> I, I was here in, two, in January 2007, I was here, um, I'm talking to one of my, my then girlfriends, uh, ex-girlfriends, uh, friends, while we were watching one of the summer Super Classicos, and I asked him who he was supporting, and he says, uh, uh, Boca. Uh, oh, you're a, you're a Boca fan then? And he goes, no, no, I... I don't care too much about either of them, but I really fucking hate River. But the, <laughs> no, that's it. So I just want River to lose. I don't really want Boca to win, but I want River to but lose. But doesn't happen only in football because uh, you you had uh, you mentioned uh, the the city government elections, uh, and for the city government elections or, or president elections, you all uh, people also vote for the candidate who is the the less bad candidate or uh, to make other one. Other candidates lose, uh, and these vote in the primary for a party that they're not going to yeah, vote for in the actual ta election. Tactical voting, but to try and make to, sure to the extreme. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is what happens when you have open yes. primaries as well. But that's a political matter. That's for the um, Hand the Politics podcast, which doesn't actually exist. Uh, but we ha we have a very rare opportunity in terms of um, uh, how Hand Pod is normally set up this week because we have an actual real life living and breathing Boca Juniors fan in the yeah, room. We do exist. And I've commented on this before that we try and, and get them on board. And until this week, I've I've always been quite unlucky. We have, we've had another volunteer since uh, just earlier today, um, who unfortunately volunteered a little bit too late to to rope me for this week, but maybe in the future. Um, and so I wanted to to take the opportunity to ask because, as you know, Julian, as, as we said before we started recording, all three of us uh, our sympathies all lie with River, and I am conscious particularly because I'm sometimes told it on Twitter by our listeners, that we sometimes have a little bit of a bias towards River or a perceived bias against Boca. We try not to put it across too much, but at the end of the day, we basically don't like them, so it's quite difficult to be completely <laughs> fair. So, just a, a couple of things about Boca's campaign so far, but also, first of all, just tell us about your relationship with Boca. What, what made you a Boca fan when, when you were growing up? Basically, I just was born a Boca fan and I remained a Boca fan and you can't really can't change out of being a Boca fan. And you get there quite often with your work or? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, I st I'm still the biggest Boca fan as I was when I was a kid. My father instilled me, I went to the stadium a lot when I was a kid, I still do, because of work. I don't get to go to every match, to every Boca match, but I get to go to a lot of matches. Uh, I don't know. That's my history with Boca. And so the follow-up to that is, how is your relationship with River? Because obviously there are, you know, River fans and there are River fans and there are Boca fans and there are Boca fans and some people are a bit more worried about the rivalry than the others. Do you have family who support River? Do you have My mother is a River fan. And so does that affect how you look is. at the rivalry? Yeah. No, not really. My mother has absolutely no clue about football other than she's a River fan. Uh, but it's all she needs to know. Yeah, she's a River fan, and that's good, I suppose, but it doesn't go much beyond that. But I have friends of River, and if, I don't know, it's, I, we need River. I, I, 
It that, wouldn't be the same see- without River. So how was the season when River were in the B? Did you enjoy that season or did you feel there was something missing? I enjoyed it. It was it was quite a quite a, a great time for us Boca fans. But uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have liked it if they stayed in the uh, uh, Nacional B for more than one season. Mm-hmm. I think it was good seeing them relegated. It was good seeing them in Nacional B, but I wanted them to come back just to have the chance to play against them and to fit away. So because just that's not the, the if really if you stay in the best. Just so they've been there long yeah, enough to take the piss out of them, and that's then. that's all right. Same with Independiente, it's great that they were relegated, but at the end of the day, you don't want to play Guarani uh, Antonio Franco forever. And mm-hmm. Sorry, I want to play River. You must be sure that Boca won't really be relegated because every time, of course, and it's I understand that that every time Boca and River play each other, they the Boca supporters will say will sing. Uh, you are from the B Which because you think that Boca won't be relegated <laughs> because if you think uh, at least one person that well we, we must stop singing that because sometimes we can't go ah, to the no who, who takes that time yeah, no, I, no, if we're ever relegated well that's it but until we're relegated we're gonna make sure we appreciate the time we weren't relegated and the <laughs> real play was and in fact I think because of River and Independiente, Boca will never be relegated. Yeah, absolutely. I well, this is why we have passed the reason, maybe, that we have a 30-team championship that's, that's with two teams being relegated. No, no, no definitely. 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 Boca will never will be never relegated. Will never be relegated. I mean, with just the slightest chance that it might be relegated in a year or so, something's going to give. They won't be relegated again. And Look at what Independiente being related cost. I mean, we have 30 teams, a whole chaos. Nobody wants to see really Boca relegated, by, except River fans, of course, and maybe someone who hates Boca. There are many people. But I don't think Boca will ever be relegated because of that. Just mm. the, the fact that the other, the other biggest club in the, in the country was relegated. Is I, think, precedent that I think the difference is that River had Aguilar and Pasarelas, very bad presidents, Independiente had Comparada and uh, uh, the, last time, the last one was Cantero. And so the obvious question that, that leads that from is how happy are, we, are you with Angelisi at the moment? Because there are some Boca fans who are a bit... Uh, the thing is, Boca fans are the happy with Angelisi and not really. Uh, I didn't vote for Angelisi and I won't vote for him again. But I think the difference between River and Independiente and Boca is that Boca presidents tend to look at politics as their next move, so they can't really salvage the club, or yeah. <laughs> pillage the club, well, yeah. Yeah. because they, uh, yeah. Aguilar had no other intention other than taking everything he could mm-hmm. and living with it. Pasarela... I'd argue that also, I mean, Macri already, already took away everything, like the whole, Boca is, is, a, is a smaller club in terms yeah. of the social activity and in terms of institutionally... It's stripped down. That, yeah, exactly, and, and it's already been done, that, that's Macri who already did it. And then he did it in a way that they did didn't it. really affect them on the pitch in terms of the football team. No, if you speak to anyone in the in the in the neighbourhood, people socios. I mean, obviously, you mean are you a socio? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there are lots of socios who, who will say, you know, obviously we love Boca, love everything. But um, what they did to this club was they completely changed it. Macri in the in the in the book that. Um, Caparros wrote about uh, Boquita, which is about, about Boca. He said, you know, we gave it a 180 degree turn. We completely Absolutely. transformed this they, club. And they completely changed it. So, so the change has happened. Mm. But, but the big difference is that unlike Aguilar, 
uh, and Pasarela, of course, Macri was successful. So they had the, the they won all, everything in the Libertadores, the Intercontinental. I mean, that just means that nothing else gets quite asked. If you don't have that success, then I think I think Macri would have had problems yeah, because sure. of what they did with cutting away all the social side of the club. But then again, I think important. they had a, a, a sense that they needed to keep appearances mm. at least, and that they needed to put a say good product on the field. Yeah, yeah. And whereas Aguilar was just taking whatever yeah, he yeah. could and because, I don't care anything. Because also that's, that's all the media care about, and it's really all that most of the fans who aren't members care about. Again, going back to one of my early visits to Argentina before I moved here, I remember seeing posters, um, I can't remember what year it was, it must have been 2006, actually, uh, put up by Boca fans all over San Telmo, so relatively close to Boca Stadium, um, listing the championships that River had won in the previous two or three years and the championships that Boca had won. And basically all of River's were like, female hockey champions, second division basketball, yeah. and then Bocca's like Copa Libertadores, Copa Recopa Sudamericana, Copa Sudamericana, league championships, the all the football stuff. The thing with clubs in Argentina is that they have uh, like a duality. Mm. Yeah. They have their social side, but they have the football side. And the football side is so much bigger than the social side. Exactly, yeah. I know there's like 10,000 people who care about Boca's basketball team, but there's 8 million people who care about Boca football team. So... If you were to say, well, we'll lose the basket, we'll never play basket again as Boca Juniors, but we'll win the, I don't know, two, two league yes. titles. Oh, no, yeah. nobody cares yeah. about basketball. We, we heard last week, we heard last week that uh, Achilicio will cut bully, basket, bully activity, yeah, uh, yeah. or, or they, will, they will make it uh, amateur, not, more, not professional anymore. And yes, there were complaints uh, at that time. Now, not, nobody cares or nobody remembers that. Mm. It's okay. And it, yeah. it's... It's the way we live here. There are clearly issues with Boca's social structure within the club. I mean, you have to be a, a Boca dirigente, you need to show them that you have enough money that if you lose it, uh, they'll take it out of your, of your own money, mm. which obviously restricts the kind of people that can and actually get to be Boca's presidents and so. But then again, how many people aspire to be Boca's presidents? really have any chance and there it's a select few and it's always been a select few and they obviously stripped it down and made it more like an European club mm. in that sense but at least they didn't tear down the sports side and the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. also people I think that's why there's this not really uh, condemnation of Angelici and all the mm. other ones because on one hand, they're doing that, okay, but on the other hand, they, what everyone cares about is the Boca football, and Boca football is flourishing. Well, at least it did, up until a year ago. No, he's been doing well. He's, he's had a good presence. Yeah. Uh, overall, it's overall, been okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And finally, championship so far, and your hopes for the championship, leaving the Libertadores aside for, for a second, but in terms of the league form, how much of a chance do you give Boca? Because one point that we've made uh, in the last couple of episodes is that until the last match against Lanús, you haven't played a side who are currently in the top half of the table. Um, do you think that that's important coming into the the the, the Super Classico? Do you think that that it suggests that they've not had a, a, a test yet? Because there are lots of you know non-Boca fans, obviously River fans, but also anti-Boca, let's say people um, who are pointing this out. Does that bother you as a Boca fan at all? Or no. It's true. We haven't played any true 
big sides yet. But then again, we played Lanús and we probably played our mm-hmm. best match of the year mm-hmm. against Lanús. The Copa Libertadores match were that demanding, but how many non-demanding teams have complicated bigger sides? River against, I don't know. One outreach and yeah. the other ones. Yeah. Boca could have well, yeah. like Chicago against you know, Chicago Boca against Boca or Boca against Wanderers in the Bombonera. They won. Two one, not handily, but they won. But against Zamora side that sometimes got us troubles, we won handily. And, and apart from that I, I can say that as a joke that Boca hadn't played any strong team, but River we have to play also against Olympo, against Temple Lake. So most big sides didn't play uh, Great teams in the in the in the first part of the championship because the AFA wanted it that way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a thirty-week tournament when Boca and River had lost five of their first six matches, well, it was mm. nobody would have gone watched any match beyond week twelve, and so they kind of made sure that okay, let's give them a easy first half while they're playing the group stage of the Copa Libertadores. And last question for the Sudamericana, for the Super Classico, sorry, as a whole, this is open to everybody. Plans for Sunday? Because obviously we're going to be recording again before the Libertadores Super, so we're going to preview them to an extent, but Sunday. I have serious problems about Boca and River because I'm going away on Sunday. I'm, <laughs> I'm flying at 11 pm and I'm flying with. I think I've seen the match at least. I'm flying with 11 other friends. Uh, Four of them are real fans, three of them are Boca fans, and we timed our match, so our, our trip, so that it was on the octavo de final, because we thought, okay, we're not going to play anyway great at the octavo de final, so <laughs> let's miss those matches, and then all of a sudden we have Boca and Rio playing, and nobody can see the matches, we can go to the stadium, I, I don't know what we're going to do, and we're going to South Carolina. United States, so it'll be on TV in the United States. I guess so. I they just they just announced today that it's going to be TV Publica. Yeah, I research and if you go onto the TV Publica live stream, Fox Deportes carries them in Estados Unidos. But I don't really have any idea how they're going to get to watch Fox Deportes in South Carolina. <laughs> I would. I'm sure that a lot of listeners in the states are going to be interested as well. So I would recommend tvpublica.com/slash/vivo-dos. Two, uh, num- that's the number two around the TWO. Um, they will be streaming it, and it won't be geoblocked. It might be geoblocked on the Football Paratodos YouTube channel, but it won't be geoblocked on the TV Publica website itself. So that's one solution at least. Yeah, it will be uh, slightly grainy quality because the TV Publica live stream is not brilliant. That's exactly it's how a, you want to watch a Superliga yeah. yeah. grainy exactly, quality yeah. and streamed over the internet. It wouldn't be the same otherwise, would it? Um, but for Sunday, uh, what do we think is going to happen? Anybody brave enough to predict a result? I've got to because it's my job. Yeah, me. You're here draw. Okay. Super brave. <laughs> I think Boca will win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think I think the Libertadores is more important for River and for in, in particular for Gachardo, and they will play a weaker side. And I th- I think Boca are stronger, and I think River know that, and I think they'll they'll save the best team for the Libertadores. It's just a feeling that I have. It, which means nothing but you know it's just I've, I've put my reason down and, uh, I think it will it. be a, a draw like Julian said because it will the, the, in this case the dull match is uh, I can't explain that because of the uh, nearby near there there are two, two matches near uh, close to, to the one of on Sunday and and they will not try not to put a, a strong leg or, 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 or to 
to to make a lot of efforts in order to be fresh for for for, for Thursday. So so I think it will be uh, yes a, a, a dull a dull uh, draw match. I'm looking for a draw because I think everybody thinks that uh, losing the first match is uh, is giving away too much. So. Mm. Uh, they won't risk losing the first match Having s just uh, because of that and because there's not really much in play they're playing on the seven I don't know uh, a 30 week tournament and it's only yeah first it's, couple of matches and of course this is the one match in River and Bocca's place that they will get to play the Revancha the, the, the reverse fixture as well this season uh, whilst Joe was talking I was reminded of a couple of River uh, players who have come out in the last couple of days and kind of pointed out you know if we lose in the league, it's fine. There are still 18, 19, 18, isn't it? Uh, rounds months, to go. five months. Basically, if we lose in the league, we can still win the league. Yeah. If we lose, if you lose in the Libertadores, you're out of the Libertadores. You can't win it. But and what's more, you give the other team a more of a chance heard, to, to win it as well. But I heard first Francescoli and then Gago saying one from each other that if they get eliminated on the Copa Libertadores, it's not the end. Of, of course, it's not the end of the world. We understand that, but supporters don't. Francescoli, no. Francescoli can say whatever he, want, whatever he wants because it's Francescoli. Gago is very important for Boca. I mean, there's there's like a someone found out the statistics of how many games if Gago's playing the win ratio and if Gago isn't playing the win ratio. And there's a difference of about twenty percent. So Gago also is in a position to say this kind of stuff. But I mean, of course, if if they lose, if they, whoever is knocked out, but of the it's, not, is, it's not the end of the world. But trouble. it is the end of the world. There is, were rumors last week is. that if Arena didn't manage Boca to eliminate River, Angelisi would wouldn't uh, make a campaign as a, for a new presidency term with mm -hmm. Arena as his coach. He was going to go get right. Guillermo and. Uh. Help him as his coach. So basically, they won't renew his contract if he fails to eliminate River, even if he wins the league, even if he did anything beyond that. So it's not the end of the world, but I don't think Arrow Arena is going in with the mindset that, okay, we can lose here. Mm. No, no, no. They have so much more to lose than to win. They're putting down a house to win this cup, and yeah. they have no chance. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to play some more music now, and when we come back, it's going to be the Hand Pod history section, which, of course, this week could only be about the Sudamericana, uh, the Super Classic. I keep saying Sudamericana. Why do I keep saying Sudamericana? About the Super Classic. Because you wanted to end the assembly. Well, possibly, yeah, that, that might be some of us. It could only be about the Super Classic. And so, who better to give us this week's historical? Uh, miniature monologue than a man who's written a book about the history of the, uh, the Super Classico. I almost said Sudamericana again then. Yeah. Um, Mr. Richards, he'll be back right after this musical interlude. section could only be about Riva Boca, Boca Riva, as we're legally obliged to say in Argentina. Um, and Joel is going to present it 
Joel, tell us about the referees. I think you wanted to talk about. Yeah, there, there are so many stories uh, surrounding the Super Classico that you know you can take, and, and actually there's we'll do another podcast next week. So there, you know, there's lots you can talk about, lots of characters, lots of great goals, lots of matches between the two of them. But it's been interesting how uh, this for this head of this trilogy, there's been lots of talk about the referee, and it is partly this just minute by minute, second by second coverage that needs something to talk about. But it is interesting that Lusto, Patricio Lusto, is the coach, is the uh, referee who will take charge of the league match this weekend. Having taken charge of the Classic on Sora a couple of weeks ago between Batfield and Lanús, and I think in most people's eyes, done quite a good job, no? Well, this is the thing. Lusto was and has always been uh, highlighted as one of the promising referee, young referees uh, in in the Argentine game, and the point is that he um, has his has has form with the uh, with the Super Clasico. So, you know, over the the history of the Super Clasico, you've had lots of games that have had a, a very debatable um, refereeing performances. Uh, it goes all the way back to the first one, 1913. Referee didn't turn up. An Irish PE teacher called Paddy McCarthy took charge of that first game. That was stopped after very early on because of pugilistic scenes, according to the, the press at the time. Um, and there's, there's been you know, all, these, all these stories about the referees, but if we go all the way back and we spoke about River going being relegated uh, in 2011, and really you can trace River's relegation directly to the Super Classico at the Bombonera when Lusto was the co- was the referee. Second time I've made that mistake. The Lusto was not meant to referee that match. It was meant to be Baldassi. Baldassi fell ill. Lusto had been in charge of the Boca game the week before. I think it was against Argentinos Juniors. So technically he wasn't allowed to, to coach this, uh, to referee this match. Um, he did. Before half-time, there are arguably... But definitely three, arguably five, penalty decisions. And in the second half, there are arguably four and definitely two penalties that he should have given. Um, Juan Pablo for, Car- for which teams? All for River, sorry. Okay. All for River. In the Bombonera, none of them were given. And so River Plate supporters obviously feel rightly aggrieved because it's it's an outrageous piece of refereeing um, historically and I mean in, in any game let alone such an important fixture let alone when River Plate were facing relegation but when they played Boca they were in 2011 they were there or thereabouts if River had got a point in that Super Classico they probably would have been alright but what happened after this game River went in free fall didn't win um, in the last seven games went to the relegation playoff and were relegated. So the fact that Lusteau is now being brought back to referee this match is uh, extremely controversial. Uh, he had to referee again, I suppose. Everyone was said so, but he was clearly, uh, I don't want to say banned, but he was banned from refereeing River. Yeah. I mean, he just came back to the Monumental a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, he came back to the Monumental after refereeing that Super Classical. I agree that it was not his finest moment as a referee, <laughs> being kind. Uh, <laughs> and there were at least two eccentric non-calls. Non, non uh, but 
There, there are two that I mean are just there, there's Schiavi on Funes Mori, which is the first, mm. and there's Monson on Paoloni. That's Rockelli on Funes Mori, which yeah, is the, the, the real one. And there's Monson on, on Pavoni. Monson himself admitted it was definitely a penalty ah, after were, after the game. At least two that were. But, but I mean that's just on. two. The other thing, Schiavi would have been a red card as well because Funes Mori was through on goal and Schiavi just chopped him I down. I think he was hyped. Too much going in, in the start of his career. Like he said, he mm. was promising young referee. He's the son of another great referee. And he was destined to be the big Argentine referee that uh, followed Baldassi. And, but he was rushed to the Super Classico. Uh, I don't think that's... Uh, to give you, like, I'm sorry, I'm just looking him up now, and we're talking about four years ago, basically. And I mean, he's only thirty. How old am I? He's about to turn fourteen. He's just yeah, turned just fourteen. Turned, yeah, 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 he's he's nine years older than me, almost like, a week. So yeah, he's just turned forty. Um, he was a promising referee, and but again, he wasn't supposed to referee that match. He was probably rushed into that match, and I don't know how much that played a part in it. But I think it's what. At least as a local fan, uh, I think he's one of the best referees in Argentina. Technically, he is, but, but you know, the thing is that this game is just a massive stain, not just because if, the, if it was just any other Super Classico, it wouldn't matter. But this game, that, that Super Classico really is the, the, the tipping point for, where, for Rivers' relegation. Yeah. So it just it takes on this whole uh, a dimension that otherwise it wouldn't have. And it's. Uh, Quite a baggage to go to the Super Classico mm. on Sunday, having refereeing your last Super Classico on that same field mm. four years ago, and having caused all that. I don't know how you mm. cope with all that. But, but I mean, I, I don't know if we know. I don't know if anyone knows, or if it's public, who Lusto is is a uh, who's, who he supports. But today in La Nación, they they put uh, they brought out an article saying talking about who referees have supported and how some of them have had difficulties. Supporting uh, the rumor refereeing. is that Lusto is a Racing fan. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know that counts for anything, but that's what they say. Uh, I don't have quite a lot of facts about it as yeah. others. For instance, Delfino is a clear San Lorenzo fan. And Delfino, yes. of course, is uh, earlier be, today was confirmed as yeah. the referee for the first leg of the Libertadores uh, last 16. And he was also a referee in the last leg of the Sudamericana Cup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. After the the Vélez Arsenal match, in which he was helped by TV to change a, a, a decision, it was said that he would not, he wouldn't Referee have any important game. matches, and that for Copa America was. It's Conway Ball, it's not Afa, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, but but Copa America would be important for for him, and I I heard that he won't be considered as as he was before that match. I don't think he was that bad in River in Betis Arsenal. He made the red call. I mean, how he got to know that it was a, not a penalty? The scandal is low. TV. He can't be. Can't but be he didn't ask. I mean, somebody told him, "Look, you're making a mistake." If he had gone on making that mistake, it wouldn't have been equally bad. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'd rather have him take it back or keep it. But uh, having known that, what should I have done? Well, exactly, yeah. And, I mean, he's not even the first referee in an Argentine league context to arguably use television to those ends. There's a story about uh, 
a gentleman in my interview, I think it was Joel's interviewed as well, and who I'm presuming uh, you know, Julian, or Asioli Sondo. Yeah, of course. Uh, changing a, a decision as well for a, I think it was a game involving Newell's, but I can't remember who they were playing um, in about 2000 or 2001. And supposedly he's the kind of pioneer of this. But of course he ends up going on and refereeing. And who was Funnily the re- enough, a World Cup final when a lot of people were saying and who was the referee? Delfino was the referee in, in Newell's River in which uh, uh, Martino grabbed the referee from the his from his neck uh, and then he said well he, he disallowed the goal after that it was Delfino mm-hmm. the man the mm-hmm. goal del Chino Luna mm-hmm. yes his hand and then the goal was maybe was given but after that episode he, he disallowed it let's try and look that up but uh, those uh, I mean the Argentine referees are absolutely indescribable they are either great or uh, really yeah. bad or something in between and nobody knows really what they are. You can be the best and or the worst in one uh, match of difference. They are the same. The referee for that match, sorry Andres, that you just mentioned, was uh, Diego Ceballos. Uh, yeah, I think, um, no, th- there's, a, there's a bigger point here, which is that, sure, there are, there are a lot of very bad decisions made in Argentine football, but, I mean, just at the weekend... Chelsea against Arsenal. Um, Spina came out. Oh, yeah. I mean, he. He. I mean, he. he, he, he Oscar. He, yeah. I mean, it was an assault, pretty much, on on Oscar, and nothing was given. I mean, that's an astonishing, astonishing decision. And if that was here, everybody, oh, Argentine league, Argentine, you know, this was happening in in the, in the Premier League, and one it, well, of the top top leagues in the world. World Cup final last yeah. year, Neuer on Higuain, where I can just about see the logic behind people saying it wasn't a penalty because Neuer gets the ball I, and takes I, I, I don't, I, I don't yeah, agree but, with that yeah, but it wasn't, I, um, I personally don't agree with it but I can see the logic behind it what I can't see is how the referee gives a free kick against Higuain exactly that's World Cup final yeah, so. I mean so you know it, it's but then we go back to the thing that the, the hype and the the build up and the after match there's always something to talk about and mm. if there isn't you have to make something to talk about so every single decision is scrutinized and analyzed and no he made the right one no he made the wrong one it will be for it and, and commentators saying that even in that match I, I mentioned Vélez Arsenal uh, the, the commentators said oh yes it was a penalty after the, rep- the first <laughs> replay it was a penalty and after the second replay no it was a Pavone hand oh it's okay so it's yes absolutely possible to determine but we will now move seamlessly into listeners questions the first one that we have had this week is from David Ellingham via email don't forget you can email us questions on the uh, using the contact form on the Handapod blog handapod.wordpress.com and he says hello Sam hello David I recently read an article on River Place Youth Academy on these football times which is the website that uh, English Town recommended last week um, in the article, it states that River have a satellite academy in Melbourne, Australia. What benefits, if any, has this had for River? Greater exposure, players for the club, anything like that? Well, giving the nieces the Australian players for the club. Yeah, giving the nieces the Australian guy playing for River and the main there are minor... six or seven of them. Yes, and uh, uh, Australian Dan, long-termist, as we'll remember him. Uh, interviewed them at some point. Yeah, no, there's only there's only Gavin Denise who's there now, but they've they've been taking players over for like three or four years, and Gavin Denise is now mm. about eighteen, 
so just so the listeners have an idea of where he's at, he's he's still unable to play for official youth tournaments, but he's playing in in the sort of the, the reserve side or the, and he's he's doing apparently he's doing very well. He's he scores hat tricks and he's he's doing very well, but um, but more than anything, I think I don't think River come out very well out the, as well as Australia does because what Australia gets is the blueprint. Of, of River, but it could be Boca, it could be Independiente, it could be many clubs, but it is River in this case. But they get the blueprint of how to train players. Mm. And and I think that's what, in Australia, they've had this the, the, this academy has brought out many players who've, who've had professional careers. So, I mean, not world greats, but, uh, I mean, Australia doesn't have many world-class football players. Um, but they have they've produced quite a few guys who've, who've gone out to have careers in, in Australia, uh, a few have gone to the States as well, and I mean their big hope is that Gavin Denise, this guy who uh, Andres mentioned, makes it at River Plate. There are problems with the papers for that to happen, but um, no, 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 because, price, yeah, but, but you know, is an Australian coming in? Uh, I mean, technically, he's working in well, Australia, so to, yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, that, that's the stumbling block. But it's an it's a really interesting setup that they have. It's there's it's two Argentine guys who've lived in. Australia for like 20 years or something and they, they wanted to they're River Plate supporters which is why they got in touch with the club and one of them is now here looking after the players they bring over um, and it, it's, no, it's an interesting little project but like I said I think in Australia this academy is doing better because they've just been given all this know-how of coaching techniques of, of training you know how, the, how everything should work at certain ages and what have you so uh, as for the greater exposure question, I'm guessing you really need to tweet uh, Australian Dan, who is now on Twitter as Dan Colasimone, um, and ask him, because he's actually in Australia and could give you an idea, but I'm guessing that the answer is no, <laughs> given the enormous popularity that football enjoys in Australia, uh, but the relatively low popularity that soccer enjoys in Australia, as it were. Um, David's other question is, with the Libertadores Superclásicos to be shown on the football para todos, sorry, will... The Libertadores Superclásicos be shown on the Football Paratolos YouTube channel in Argentina. Uh, the answer to that is yes, or presumably, because TV Publica have got the rights now and it will be a Football Paratolos production. Um, he does mention that you can watch the game, therefore, on YouTube using a VPN, but as I said to uh, Julian earlier, uh, you can also do it without a VPN if your VPN is going to slow down your web connection a bit by just going onto the TV Publica live stream, which I will tweet a link for before the matches, obviously. Um, and yes, so, right, those are David's questions. Moving on now to Twitter. We have had a couple from Chris Hartley who says, with the Super Classico coming up this weekend, what are your favourite moments from recent clashes? First of all, I'm guessing Julian's favourite moments are going to be rather different to our favourite mm-hmm. moments. So, do we go for River favourite moments or Boca favourite moments first? I go for the River ones. River. You have you. Andres and Joel, what would have been your favourites? Um, not sporting related. Um, the atmosphere is great fun. They're just great matches, and there have been a few. I have a few sort of postcard moments, as it were, as you call that. Um, that just was just kind of you just stand back for a moment and think this is 
really cool. Right, you've this, had this the, is great. You've had the good fortune. You know, yeah, I've been, I've been, yeah, yeah, been to quite a few, um, and I've been as in in the press section. I've been in as you know in the stands, and it's always just really good fun. It's it just there is this intensity about it which you don't get in in many other games, and. So you know, I've been up in the in in the Boca at Boca. The press area is right next to La Dose. So I mean, it's really loud, and I mean, it's 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 good fun. So I've just I've just had good fun there. And the other one is um, I interviewed Eric Cantona before uh, during the the Super Classico, and that was that was good fun. Wow. So that, that's my my Super Classico memory. Not not in terms of the, the sport. I mean, they're just they're, they're no, always good games. But adding to that, the Super Classico is lacking the. Visiting fans, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. not the same. Mm. Uh, as a Morgan fan, as a but, fan, but if the home side's winning, it's great because yeah, everyone's going. It's, it's great, brilliant. but it's not the same. No, even, even if the home side's winning, the the visiting side still has hopes, still chance, yeah. still you have someone to yeah. bounce things off. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Andres, favorite moment? It was one of the least, uh, at least the uh, one tiny thing everyone in football in Argentina agrees. Be it a Boca fan, River fan, yeah. Independiente fan, everyone agrees. Uh, yeah, no, that's quite right. I mean, I was, uh, I, I've been to the last two River home ones in the league, so I wasn't at the Sudamericana one. Um, so, I mean, for me personally, the answer is uh, Petzela's equaliser in, in the 1 1 last October in the driving rain when I was, I mean, I bumped into Joel afterwards and we were both soaked down to our <laughs> bollocks we were going to go for a drink afterwards and we decided to call it off because we were both so cold. Um, and so I got to see a river win because, of course, the previous year I've been, when when Boca won, uh, 1-0 with the Gigliotti goal. Um, so that was, that, that was it for me. Where was I going with this? Uh, I was visiting fans. Thank you. Yes, and there was a there was a one of the banners because the stand I was in for the last year's one was the away stand, the the away section at River, and one of the banners very near to it had a section hung up in the home section with "Sin visitantes no hay football." Yeah. Without without away fans, there is no football, um, and that is something that you know has been present. It was particularly noticeable, obviously, in a Super Clásico when you're talking about the atmosphere, and the, and I was there as well to write about the atmosphere for ESPN. So it was kind of, I mean, this is just one set of fans, which has its own charm in a way, but really, but that it's not the same. With Boca fans present, would have been on another level. Mm. I mean, having equalised uh, that match where right, yeah. it was obviously uh, with the rain and all the thing, and seeing the Boca fans leave for you, River fans, it would have been great. And yeah. staying in the in the in the stadium, seeing the other team, the other fans leaving, that's something that's not the same. But we are we are so used to. To having banned the, the away supporters or away fans, that it's been almost four years, no, yeah. three years. Sorry, that it's hard to imagine that there won't be any problems or any riots or any violence because there is. We know, but there's no less. There's not less violence without the yes. visit inside. So yeah. it's no, you still got, it's a moot point. I mean, take out, take out the visiting fans to not have violence. Yeah. We still have violence. Well, it's, it's always said a lot for me. 1,200 police officers. Yeah. And it's always said a lot for me <laughs> that the straw that broke the camel's back with the away fan ban, it was just under two years ago, sorry, not just under three years ago, was a policeman shooting dead, not even a bad rubber but a fan uh, at Estudiantes Lanús. And yeah. that was what brought in eventually obviously after a lot more stuff before it but yeah. that was you know it's kind of symbolic that I mean ultimately the away fan gets shot dead but it's the away fans that are banned from the stadium 
if you haven't got a wife found in the stadium, I guess the police can't mm. shoot any wife found dead. And we mentioned Arsenal and the CB with 1,000 fans and 300 police mm. officers and and, yeah, and, no. and and they almost burned yeah. a, a, a car, a, a police, a, a cab. So. Anyway, Andres, your favorite memory? Well, I, I don't like to. I, I am not going to the to the stadium right now. I promise I will. Uh, I will go back. But the the one I remember, and I don't like to 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 celebrate draws. But the three, well, zero three to three three with the Celso Ayala header was for for that time was was uh, very exciting because we were. And, and and by this time, in by uh, nowadays, I think it's very difficult to to realize to to achieve something like that for even for River or for Boca. Uh, River was uh, nil three at the Monumental with I think was Sergio Martinez, Cedres, and I don't remember the other scorer uh, for Boca. Then uh, River was with Berti, uh, Vijalba, and uh, Celso Ayala at the very end of the match, they achieved the, the equalizer. And yes, by that moment was was quite exciting, shouting the goal and that. that. That's one of the games that everyone always picks out as one of the great Super Classicos. You know, people always take like two games per decade and that the 3-3 um, three, 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 is, is one of the, one of the games. Look, I had so many chances to put that game away. Mm. Well, you were 3-0 th- up. I mean, that's no, but even, away from home, 3-0. Even, even that, they had a 3-2 a, a and, and River rallying to get the, the equalizer. Booker had so many counter-attacks where they were just yeah. three against one, two against one, and they yeah. kept giving it away, giving it away. It was, it was a great match. So even things up, there are three of us, and we've just talked about a 3-3 three, three draw. So, Julian, give us your three favourite moments from Super Classicos from a Boca point of view. Okay. Uh, going for an epic final moment in the game, I'll take the 3-2 at Boca Stadium with... Guerras Nucaso, which was basically one of the worst sites ever for Boca, a river side that was brilliant and it has no logic whatsoever <laughs> how Boca won that game because it really has no logic whatsoever. Really, River were two one up, they had a chance to put it away and they didn't, and Boca ended up winning it in the last play. Which I don't think has happened quite enough on the Super Classic. I think that's the thing that's missing. Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona has had its final moments goals. Well, River had it with uh, Nasuti, but it didn't yeah. materialize into anything. No use because then nobody uh, remembers that goal ever. But yes, I remember it uh, not happily because after yeah, that many River fans, many friends of my friends who are real fans said that one of the goals they celebrated more was that of Nasuti but they don't really take pride in it because yeah. it would have been nothing but it would have been the the goal had it had real one um, so that's one that's one for Three sure more. the second one I can not say the one well, of the Libertadores of the, the Dovin uh, with Riquelme's goal penalty goal to advance and Palermo which was that was the nutmeg from Riquelme to Shepes. Oh yeah. 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 But everything. But the th- there is a problem with that nutmeg, which is that it doesn't result in anything. So it's it's only it's only good from just when Riquelme receives the ball and then when he does the nutmeg, 
I mean, if it carried on to a move, even even if it had just been a, a header on target or something, but, uh, but I think it just uh, goes out for a, no, for a throw think, in, and then it's like oh, I think that's a, a cultural thing between Argentinians <laughs> and everyone else. We don't really care what happens with an ad like it's an yeah, yeah. For instance, uh, River won two zero with uh, uh, I was Boca was Russo's in the mid seven. Uh, 2007, uh -huh. 2007 yeah. uh, and Buonanotte had a great nutmeg on Paleta mm -hmm. and it was nothing, it was probably a nutball, I mean, yeah. but it's, oh, Buonanotte's nutmeg. The problem is that yes. it's, it's very difficult for a player to make that nutmeg and then continue with the ball, and in those cases they will, they uh, will. Yeah, we can't do that, so, but the nutmeg is like the, uh, the cherry on top was... Is that the one you were talking about? No, I was talking about the Libertadores in the 2001. 4-3 or 3-2? No, it was 3-0. Uh, 3-0. Three, three yeah. yes. yeah. 2-1, River in the first the, yeah. the final leg. I asked because I'm going to put these up on the hand of pot to yeah. the recording. Um, so this one. Yeah. Uh, in the first match, Boca had lost 2-1 at River Stadium. And on the build-up to the game... Palermo, who was injured, was rumored to be on the on the bench, and Tolo Gallego famously yeah. said, "Well, if they put on Palermo on the bench, I'll put Francesco Lee, who had retired a couple of years earlier, and they actually did put Palermo big not man. only in the bench, but threw it in the game, <laughs> and Palermo ended up having one of the most incredible goals ever. I mean, he couldn't even move. Yeah, I don't know how he scored, and he and he wasn't marked." He wasn't marked because he, he was. He couldn't he, run. It was a shock. Everyone yeah. was in shock. You know. You, you so should, he's going to turn. He's going to kick it. You uh, will imagine that after Gallego saying that, uh, the defenders will mark him very well. Not he. No, no. Not, not point, mark him very well. That they'd go in and then. Yes. You know. But even if you were in the vicinity of Palermo, he wouldn't have gotten the ball because he literally couldn't move. It was. But uh, it, they were in shock. <laughs> At that point in the match, they had no business being there. But it was great. The the moment Palermo came into the game, Boca was winning, or a, I think it was a draw. But it was like a a goal. Yeah. Just Palermo stepping on the match because it was so Palermo going on as a substitute. So it has to be something. Argentina fans. He, he was coming back from there. his one of his worst injuries at that moment. He then had some feel, but and it was <laughs> the it really was the the game that started all because. Without that game, there's no Boca winning the Libertadores 2000, Boca winning the next one, and probably yeah. there's no the whole Bianchi thing. And the other one is purely as a Boca fan, which is the draw 1 1 with Bianchi on the ben Boca bench and Ramon Diaz as uh, River manager, which is only memorable because it was the first after the relegation, and as right, a fan yeah. it was. And it, the, you had the River fans. Because if you didn't have the real fans at the stadium, it wouldn't have been the same. But and as a purely as a as a fan, that's one of the more <laughs> Boca, most Boca, yeah, loved loved games. Ah, the so that that was the match when Diaz got sent off from the bench yeah. and walked across the pitch ah, and he said, said, "No, no, 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 no I, I didn't go down to the B." I, I didn't Boca's go to the B, and he had all those, all those. Things that make the Super Classic great, but the the game was absolutely rubbish. Uh, it was one one. Yeah, it was River gave away, that one. Yeah. River gave away uh, the chance, a glorious chance there. They got one up first. Yeah, the first play, I think, uh, goal Lanzini. That's right. Headed in the goal, and Boca was the well, fastest. Boca was Boca's Bianchi. Yeah, I remember Sanchez having a, a beautiful chance to score, and he made a love and was absolutely. Right. And River was a. Uh, 
they they ended up winning the championship and uh, Boca was Bianchi's Boca which was nothing. And Silva scoring the goal and celebrating it crazily for Boca. Okay, more questions. We're going to get through the remaining ones quickly because we've gone on for an hour and a half now. Um, so Chris has another question, which is Nicolas Lodeiro is a player who struggled in European football at Ajax, but do you think he's better suited to the Argentine slash South American game? He's been fantastic for Boca so far. I had the chance to speak with one of the people in Boca's inner circle. He said Lodeiro's a kind of harsh guy on himself and he needs to feel welcome and he needs to feel needed and he needs to feel important and uh, he thinks that's the key to Lodeiro's success at Boca that he, ha- he was he had already knew that he will, it will be like that at Boca because he he put some pressure to be at Boca he was Corinthians not playing anymore uh, very much but uh, well I want to go to Boca like that he was uh, well this guy said exactly that, that at Corinthians he felt that he was Welcomed when he got there, but then one, one forgotten, like one more of the great Corinthian players. That he really welcomed Boca, wanting him and wanting him to be here and giving him the ten, ten shirt and all the hype that they got. I saw him, I've only seen him once live, and I was really unimpressed. I just think he had a bad game, it was against Huracan. He was just, oh, I mean, he was, he was horrible, he was really bad. And I was really surprised because I'd seen him on TV and I thought, you know, he, he's, he's a good player. Obviously, technically very good. I mean, against Huracan, he was past the ball. The ball went under his foot. I mean, it was incredible. And I thought, and I just thought that's, that's a real surprise for a player who's just arrived. Obviously, there's a lot of hype, but I mean, you know, he's expected to be one of the strongest players, not just at Boca, but in the, in the division. And, uh, and he, he really didn't, he didn't do anything at all. But obviously, there's, he's, he's a player who's... Everyone's expected a lot of him for a long time. So he hasn't really done that much. He played great games against lesser sides. He was yeah. great against Samora, but so probably you you're, you're, you're not. You don't think he's been as good as the hype suggests? No, he's been good, but he's not been as great as everyone said. And okay. But he has that that he passes the ball at a short distance. That but then he made makes. I don't remember the match in which he made a like a lob a pass from. Uh, passing the defense, the rivals' defense from, yeah. and I, I don't remember the, the, the rival right now. That finished in a Caleri goal, I think. Uh, Cal- Rafael and Canchabuca, 1 0 goal de uh, That he was like tiki tiki, like pass, passing the ball with the short distance, but then he surprised with that long pass. That was a quality mark, I think. Hand pod occasional panel member Gustavo tweets in to say that he used to go to the same school as Julian. Gustavo what? Do you remember Gustavo Malamud? You yeah, remember Europe, surely. You do? Well, okay, there we go. That's a nice quick, that's not really a question, but it's he a comes curiosity. Here sometimes. It's just a hello. Yeah, he says hello. And he says that you were a good choice to get it as a Boca fan, so there Thanks. we are. I'm a really a Boca fan. He, he, uh, was, he, was, he was right. He was right, yes. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lawrence Hart says, with looming presidential elections in Argentina, both in the AFA and the, the political side, but he's talking about the, the actual proper presidency, uh, what are Cristina's rivals' views on Football Para Todos in its current form? Will it stay on free TV on YouTube as a government propaganda mouthpiece, or will it revert back to, and he says direct TV, but he means uh, TSA? Um, first of all, Cristina's rivals uh, is a slight misnomer in terms of these elections because Cristina isn't standing again because she's had two consecutive terms already. 
but we're in a very good position to ask whether Football Paradodos is going to come back in uh, after the, the next election. Uh, sorry, it's going to remain after the next elections or whether it might revert to Teise. Because we have somebody who works for Teise in the uh, studio with us. And I say studio in the loosest sense of the term. But Julian, is there any sense in Teise of, of what might happen after the elections? No, I agree. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Football Baratolas, the contract signed up until like 2017 now or something, right? I don't think you can, once it's like, a, I don't know, once it's out, I don't think mm-hmm. you can take it back. How oh, are you going to say to that I sometimes wonder. Can I, yeah, sorry. Sorry, the, just before, before Football Baratolas happened, yeah. there were a few games shown at the weekend live, and obviously the rest, very famously, would stay until Football de Primera, which oh. if you watch in the UK is, is the show in that you show on Channel 5 every, but now, now that people are used to seeing every match live, if it were to revert to Teise, would Teise be able to get away with showing two or three matches live, or would they have to show all 15 or 14 could, or they how could many really good get away, could get away with showing every match live, absolutely. I mean, uh, Football Paratelos has troubles with the many matches it has, mm-hmm. showing them live. I mean, some end up going on channels no one even knows about, and yeah. where's my team showing? I don't know, check 360 yeah. TV, we'll, What's 363? I know, well, but it shows your team. Well, we've been recording tonight. One of the Copa Argentina games isn't on television, the Arsenal game, and the no, other no, one, the Kilmes one. No, it is on television. No, no, it's not. It says on the Football Paradox ah, website, okay. Sin TV. And the other one, the Kilmes game, is on Depot TV, which is a channel that I don't have on my admittedly rubbish cable package at the moment. And so you think, hang on, this is meant to be football paratodos. It's meant to be football for all, and yet they've got one game not on TV. I think they expanded it so much that it got too yeah. big for themselves. Exactly, yeah. uh, I mean... They started, okay, let's show the 10 Primera matches, and they said, okay, let's show the National B, but then they, then they realized, okay, now we have to show 20 matches, and 20 matches on a weekend, you also have to show something else, unless yeah. you have a, a channel devoted to football, which is what the other channels are, <laughs> exactly. But they, the yeah, one there, there, there are two things I think going on here, and I mean, maybe you don't want to compromise uh, Julian. But I got no, 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 but this is fair enough. But the thing is that in, in Fútbol para Todos, uh, the only loser is, is not Torneos y Competencias, which is the producer that does taste say it's not the same thing. It's a, there's a production company, there's the channel, there's two different things. But it's not the production company because they're doing very well because Fútbol yeah. para Todos has many of the... Um, the way you see this is the, is the reporters who are working for Paradox are from Torneo, so, so from Fox and from Teixe. So the only person who lost in this whole Football Paradox thing was Claudine. And that was the whole point of it. So that's fine. And then some and elements Clarins are from Teixe, I think. They hire... They yeah, yeah, exactly. Lots of, yeah, the, yeah, lots of the... But the thing was, they said, okay, from tomorrow on, there's no more... Uh, Football Paradox starts tomorrow. They had no structure for Football Paradox. So mm. the, basically, the first uh, few months of Football Paradox were the exact same thing, only they changed their name. But uh, as he says, Clarín is uh, the, the big loser here. It's the, o- yeah. the only loser. Yeah. The only loser, really. And the other thing is that the big picture is that AFA want to do AFA TV. AFA TV. That's what they want to do. They, AFA wants they've set to up set a Twitter up. account for it already. Yeah, exactly. Like and, a year and, and a half ago. But they've been talking about this for, I mean, for, for way before, even before Football Paradox, they were already looking at how AFA could, could take on the rights and broadcast themselves, obviously with pr- production companies that would be Tornes. Because the, the other reality is there's only one, one production company in the country that can produce football yeah. games, 
which is and Thorneos is just big not just on a on a nationwide scale but on a continental scale as well the Fox Sports yeah. Copa Libertadores and Copa Sudamericana broadcast that we have are produced by yeah. Torneos yeah, yeah. so it's not just a, yeah. an Argentine thing and there, there are some lesser ones that have sprung out once Fútbol Baratado started and it needed more um, more means and yeah. he didn't want to trade with Fútbol Baratados at first but then uh, well, with uh, Torneos at first but he eventually did and even uh, now Pace Sports which is half owned by Clarín and which is, who is run by Clarín shows the Argentine matches uh, for uh, uh, the exterior, I mean, for the other country, yeah, for, for the, yeah. the rest of the world, the rest of the world. Max, uh, the Americas, at the same time, you say, how can a uh, uh, channel half owned by Clarín, who is the biggest loser, the only loser in this whole thing, still be showing the games abroad? But it's the only one who has the chance to show them abroad, and they didn't. When they said, okay. You have no more right to show the games, but uh, to the other countries, yes, you have because we have no other way to show them. So, but essentially, as, as for the question, exactly, and uh, going back to the question, what I, happens after the election? I don't think they can go back. I don't well, think they can go back. Why, why would first. anybody? I don't think anybody really believes that if you ask, if you yeah. talk to just people in the street and your taxi driver and the bus, or whatever. Everyone loves it. Everyone's like, yeah, I can watch it at home. I mean, yeah, there, well, there are lots of everyone, problems with it. There are lots of problems people. with it. But For instance, my girlfriend, who's currently sitting yeah. in the next room and couldn't give a shit about football, but is yeah. quite concerned about where her tax money's going, who actually actively dislike football, but, I thought yeah, but, but even so, that is, those, those people are relatively, let's say, muted. And I say that with the full understanding that my girlfriend mm-hmm. can't hear us talking at the moment and isn't going to come in and start yelling at the microphone. So literally muted in some ways. Whereas the government that comes in in November, if they have the guts to say, mm, you know what, no, football protocols isn't happening again in 2016. No, that's stop. not going to happen because they're going to lose a lot more votes than no, they could stop. win but, by bringing it in. But this is the whole thing that has never been. Ex- Kitchenerism has never explained because they feel they don't have to. There's a certain sort of arrogance about Kitchenerism which says, no, we're right, so we don't have to explain. The point is that the money for Fútbol para Todos came from the money for advertising and mm. publicity for the government. So the budget is there. It was simply shifted. So, I mean, if someone thinks, if, if Macri... Macri is the main opponent. Massa probably yeah, is going to fall, fall by the way. Macri, that's okay. So Macri... First of all, he understands football better than many of, certainly all of us here. He he knows well, how, how it all works. So, if if he said get rid of football paratos, he's still going to use that exact amount of money in advertising in other ways. Yeah, elsewhere sure. for ab- but for advertising for government propaganda. This is the thing. People say, well, oh, maybe I don't know for a new Metropolis line. No, 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 but no, but this no, but this is the point. The budget is is from advertising. That, that's where the right. money came from. Yeah, he's right. It's, it was basically money shifted, not money. Yeah, it's it's not from other um, from other ways. The thing that many people, bah, many on the know, argue is why not open it to being advertised by their companies. Absolutely, I mean, uh, that's absolutely that's a revenue revenue stream that nobody's exploiting. But this is but it. They that's have they they can't exploit them because they have to maintain that it's full of parados. If they exploit it. Automatically, the football paradox thing becomes quite a. So, for the moment, it's just Diego, every Argentine's favourite. But as always, the perfect solution would be the middle ground. So, you'd keep football paradox, and for abroad, you could charge $5 a month. Whatever. How, how much? I mean, how much is that going to bring in? Or you could, Ten million dollars. Or you could um, open it to advertising to other companies. Yeah, advertising yeah. The, uh, the thing, the thing here is that football paradox uh, says, okay, twenty channel 
you can show whichever game you want. You just have to ask us, and you can put on put our your our game on. But you can't have any production in it. You can't put your people uh, announcing it. Mm -hmm. You can't put your people commentating it. You just take the package and put it as it is, and we give you everything that's inside, and that's the thing that's holding us back. But I, I'm with you. They can't go back. No, nobody wants no, to go back. Because it would be a, it would be a massive... Politically, it would be ridiculous. Exactly, yeah. Like and nobody can campaign... Nothing to gain and everything to lose yeah, nobody by can, saying yeah. no more football paradox. Nobody can campaign on the basis of no more football paradox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's absurd. Chris Henson asks, is that, do you have any idea why there are no Friday games this weekend? The blow is softened by having Godoy Cruz versus Sarmiento on Thursday. The reason, it's very obvious when you think about it, Latin America, Argentina, uh, much more left-leaning than where I'm assuming Chris is from, uh, the UK. Um, it's International Workers' Day. What do you mean? The, the, the Lib Dems are in coalition. Nobody well, works. absolutely, yeah. So as I was saying, uh, and I've just looked at his Twitter bio and he is from the UK. Um, so no, I mean... Initially, I thought the same thing, and then somebody pointed out to me, you know, it's the first of May. I'm oh, right, yeah, of course. Nobody, there's no, there are no games, but there are uh, programs that talk about the games that are not yeah. being played. So, <laughs> uh, people that work in those programs do work. <laughs> uh, Sasha says, which tactical systems are most prevalent in Argentina at the moment, and which coaches have been the biggest inspirations? That is a great Quickest question. Quickest answer you yeah. can, gents. I would say that. Very broadly speaking, there's a shift in generation. Mm -hmm. So the people like Mostasa Merlo, Alfio Basile, and all these, these old-timers are, are getting uh, are no longer being given jobs. And so we're seeing a more modern type of football. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the, and it's, it's really good. The system, really, yeah. the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, most adopted system right now is the 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one. Mm. That's like the... With their number, which translates very easily to a four-three-three, a four-two-three. Yeah, maybe a four-three-three, a four-one, four-five-one. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Gachardo, I guess, is is a good example of. If you'll forgive me, being a Boca fan, Julian, but Gachardo is probably the most successful so far of these relatively young managers coming oh, through in Argentina, and he very famously wants to make River play like Guardiola's Barcelona. Yeah, but that's the, the key thing. Gachardo yeah. and is the, the, is the thing, most, probably the most successful one, but he still adheres to a system that's fairly traditional for Argentinian yeah, exactly, senses. Yeah. I mean, because always, he always plays with an enganche yeah, yeah. and he plays a diamond in the midfield. Unlike, say, uh, Barros Esqueloto and Arroba who play with a deep line midfielder, mm. two people going through the flanks. And but even then, say, Boca with Arroba have got as you said earlier, Lodeiro with the number 10, who is maybe not a classic enganche, but is very much the guy who, even if only through his shirt yeah. number, is charged with doing the creation yeah. for the most part, no? For the most part, but uh, I think there's shifts. I think that River with Gachardo and Boca with, now with Arroba had some similarities, like Pisculici before, not now, and Lodeiro at Boca right now, are, they are like enganches but not playing as in the middle but rotating from the right and left and, and I think that that was key for 4-3-1-2 for, uh, or 4-1, I don't know, the number is, is, is I think is relevant, irrelevant but uh, uh, with those pieces of, of, of playing playmakers or t putting yeah. a name on them like uh, Lodeiro or Pesculici. And then looking maybe at other clubs, I mean, at Banfield, you have Casares, 
and there's like you said it's a generational shift uh, they're all young coaches Almeida Pellegrino who's out of the, uh, the students but yeah. the same but Gabi Melito who replaced Gabi Melito I mean, uh, Coca yeah yeah Buffy with has Casares as the, that number 10 enganche whatever and Cuero and Bertolo for one side and the other yeah yeah so And in terms of coaches being the biggest inspirations, obviously, I mean, maybe when Hunter Pot started even, so only four or five years ago, we would have said um, the, the two guys who won the World Cup, Menotti and the other one, whose name I've forgotten. Mr. Bilardo. Thank you, Bilardo. Yeah, I want to say, say Basile, and I knew it wasn't him. Bilardo Menotti, which would have been the most obvious kind of way of dividing the two schools. But since then, it's almost become uh, Bielsa and Guardiola. I mean, Gachardo cites well, Guardiola, and was, of course Bielsa is a huge Bielsa influence on Guardiola. When Bielsa was uh, at, the, at the selection, he was said to be something like the, the middle ground between yeah. Bilardo and Menotti, which really which doesn't describe... Which now as well, I mean... Really doesn't describe Bielsa at all. No, no, no. no, no. Way, but... Uh, no, Bilardo. Uh, Darren Paul asks, who is your tip for the NBA finals? <laughs> the last time I watched basketball... I've got... Uh, The Spurs, uh, no, the Warriors against the Cavs. The last time I watched basketball, Warriors C6. Shaquille O'Neal's okay. Orlando Magic were doing very well, so I'm going to tip them. I think they're going to be very good. Uh, Andres, John? Um, I don't have any, sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't name one team, so... I'm a huge NBA fan. If the Charlotte Hornets... As happened with history section, if there are more tweets about that, perhaps we can talk the about Charlotte it. The Charlotte Hornets are a thing this year. Last year they were the Charlotte Bobcats, but this oh, really? year they... they oh, yeah, damn it. See, they, I made that joke thinking that they were no longer in existence, no, no. so that's back This year they came back. <laughs> Remember the Hornets? They're back as the Hornets. Wonderful. Um, the next music that you hear is Mystic Sam's theme music, and the next voice that you hear after that is Mystic Sam telling you exactly what's going to happen this coming weekend or the next round, because of course it starts on Thursday evening, so here we go. Godoy Cruz versus Sarmiento, which is on Thursday. I don't know what time it kicks off because I forgot to check. Let me just actually, I'll check that now because it might affect what time this podcast goes on. Um, it is at, yeah, five past nine Argentine time. So you should, if you're an early bird, have already heard us by the time that kicks off. Um, I think it's going to be a Sarmiento win. Olimpo versus Estudiantes, I think, will be another away win. Estudiantes to win. Uh, Argentinos Juniors versus Aldo Civi is a draw. Joe, you're protesting about something. No, 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 is, is that Milito's first game? It's, it's Milito's first league game. He already yeah. took charge of Estudiantes last Copa Libertadores group stage game. Uh, Gimnasia versus Newell's Old Boys, I'm going for a draw. Uh, San Lorenzo versus Vélez, I think it's going to be a San Lorenzo win. So a bit of cheer for San Lorenzo fans after going out with Libertadores. Racing versus Lanús. I'm going to tentatively go for a Racing win. Racing is playing in the Sharks. Are they? Yeah, because they play Libertadores during the week. So oh, shit. Okay. I'm, I'm still going to tentatively go for a Racing <laughs> win because Lanús are Pretty choice. iffy at the moment. Uh, thank you. Rosario Central versus Huracan is going to be a Central win to put some pressure, of course, on the two joint leaders because Central, let's not forget, are just behind them. Four points behind them, I think. 
uh, going into this one. Uh, Letigo de Rafaela versus Defensa y Justicia is going to be a draw. Banfield versus Independiente is a Banfield win. Tigre versus Nueva Chicago is a draw. Tigre have been in good form recently, but they've not played any particularly good sides. And Chicago in the last couple of matches have looked quite good. Chicago has Solignac no more because he's, he has gone to the MLS. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's left for the States. Uh, Union versus Belgrano. Um, I'm going for a Belgrano win. Arsenal de Sarandí versus Quilmes is a draw. Crucero del Norte versus Colón de Santa Fe is also a draw. And Temperley versus San Martín de San Juan is a draw. There's one match that I haven't mentioned yet. I wonder which one that could be. In Boca versus River Plate, I'm going for, surprise, surprise, a draw. So I'm agreeing there with Andres and Julian um, and disagreeing with Joel. But, I mean, it's a very brave person who bets on the Super Classico anyway. And if you bet on the result, then you're slightly silly, in yeah. my opinion. Um, any major disagreements with those guys? I will say Tigre will win against uh, who is the t uh, Chicago is the uh, Tigre playing Nueva Chicago yeah I think it will be Tigre uh, Tigre victory Tigre are in good form but they're in good form against sides who are frankly not very good I, I, I was erring towards the Tigre win myself when I was writing these up last night until I looked at who Tigre I'm putting my money on Lanús definitely yeah yeah no way to Racing yeah Racing okay. has its find elsewhere we shall see. Uh, one thing that we completely and totally ignored is that there are teams in the league this weekend other than Boca and River. And it should be said that Belgrano are two points behind the leaders. And as I mentioned, Central are also two points behind them. In fact, not three points. Uh, so either of those sides, by winning, uh, Belgrano play... Uh, uh, wait, to Union. Thank you. Away to Union. And Central play before the Super Classico, I think. Um, yeah, at home to Huracan. Either of those sides by winning would put some pressure um, on Boca and River. Central more because uh, Belgrano have had to go to play just after the Super Classic on Sunday night. Um, so that's another interesting thing about this weekend. There we go. But the two joint leaders clash on Sunday. The kickoff time is quarter past six local time. And at the moment, it looks like the match is going to happen. Because we've had all this stuff about whether Boca are going to allow the two Barra Brava heads in or not. And at the moment, they're saying, no, we're not going to allow them in, which means the match takes place with fans um, yeah, the as scheduled. The Secretary of Security said that, that if, if Boca allow, uh, allowed to uh, gave, uh, gave admission to Mauro Martin and Diceo, the yeah. two Barra Brava then men... Then the head of security wasn't going to sign yes. the paper to say, yeah, we'll give the surely, surely we're within our right to say it's my constitutional right to see... The super classical, well, right? The taxpayers' money is going yeah. on the television contract. Because that, that's what Mauro Martin... The I'm not sure you at me, Argel, because we're well, no. um, Mauro Martin, the La Doce leader, said it's my constitutional right to go to, to the game. Bloody hell. It may say that in the Argentinian constitution. It, it wouldn't be yeah. that far-fetched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually say that. But that that's what he's right lawyer, his lawyer and watching a super classical the constitutional <laughs> right. And Diceo's yeah. going to do the same. So... Possibly yeah. on day release, who knows. Um, well, the thing is, they said, we're not going to allow them today. Yeah. We, we don't know what we'll do on the, well, on well, the second leg of yeah. the Libertadores. We're not going to present the papers this week, so this yeah. weekend's match can go ahead. And so at the we'll moment, the newspapers are reporting it as Martin and Diceo are going to return to La Bombonera 
for the second leg of the Libertadores match, and it's like, well, why would that not be called off in that case? But different jurisdictions, different um, con- uh, governing bodies, and obviously nobody here really thinks more than about a week in advance anyway, because why would you? If you live in Argentina, well, you get used to it. After you still have a first leg match to go. <laughs> yeah. Anything can happen. Precisely, there are two super classicos between now and the match that they're now talking about for the uh, Barreras to return. Uh, as I say, Sunday's kicks off at six fifteen on Sunday evening Argentine time, which, if you're in the UK, is ten fifteen p.m. And if you're in the United States, is they're an hour behind, aren't they? Now on the Eastern Seaboard, so that's going to be five fifteen Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I will tweet links from my own Twitter account and I will retweet them from the Hand of Pod account. So if you want to watch online, uh, just keep an eye on both of those, Hegs underscore com and Hand of Pod on Twitter. Enjoy the matches if you're watching them. And for now, ladies and gents, it's time after a bumper edition. We're sorry for the length of it, but I think that it's fair to say the subject matter merits it um, of Hand of Pod to say goodbye. Uh, oh, you want the cop out of Cantina results, don't you? I forgot about those. I said that we tweet them. So let's say. Quilmes versus Sportivo Belgrano has finished, and it finished 2 0 to Quilmes. Um, Arsenal versus Guarani Antonio Franco is currently 1 1 about 10 minutes into the second half. So there we go. Um, congratulations, Quilmes. You're in the 16th of final, the last 32 of the Copa Argentina. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Please tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody to listen to us. Um, and thank you as well to our sponsors who I forgot to mention at the start of the show once again the Argentina Independent a fantastic English language source of cultural entertainment and other stuff um, from Argentina and across Latin America you can read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com and they're the people who re- um, who pay for our booze so I'm going to have to record another little plug to stick in at the beginning of the show now um, and apologies to them for forgetting them uh, for now Thank you very much to Andres. Goodbye, thank you. Thank you to Joel. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, and we hope you've enjoyed yourself, and please come back to Julian. Um, thanks, I had a great time. Hope to be back. Good, and thank you and goodbye from me. Goodbye.